you would, turn in the Bible to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. It's really about the middle of your Bible. Our church has been studying Revelation for about the last year, but we're taking a break during these uh, week, these Sundays in December so that we can follow this Advent series that's going along with the Advent devotional book. And I hope that now that we are a week in, you've absolutely loved having that resource, that you've been reading those this week. I hope that you have. It's been awesome. It's been very encouraging. If you did not get one of those, uh, we want you to get one of those. So let us know. It's an Advent devotional book that our church has put together with a Bible study, Christmas devotional every single day uh, through the holidays all the way up until Christmas Day. The title of it is Promise Kept, with the first week being Promise Needed. Week two, which begins today, is Promise Made. Week three, which will start next Sunday, is Promise Expected or Anticipated. And then finally, Promise Kept. God is a promise-keeping God. Some special about being in church during the holidays, isn't it? Singing those songs not just because it's Christmas, but because it's Christmas and those songs are true and we already knew those songs because we've grown up with those songs and yet we study our Bibles and those songs are truthful from the Scripture. They are from God and they are messages filled with the truth of God. It's fantastic. And I know that as we were even singing those, you felt, man, this is so good. That's what the holidays are supposed to be like for us. The holidays are supposed to be where we are taking our faith and absolutely focusing in on it and being strengthened in it. There's such an opportunity for Christians, for us, for church people, during these Sundays in December to absolutely be lifted, to be inspired, to be encouraged, that this is true and God loves us and he's our Father in heaven and the newborn King Jesus, the baby, is the most important thing in our lives. It is he that we follow. It is he that grew up and died on the cross for our sins to forgive us, to give us life and hope and understanding. And so Christmas serves us well to be able to focus in on that. Christmas is so good in in so many ways because there's an opportunity for us to reflect, and there's an opportunity for us to refocus, recalibrate, even if you want to use that language, on, on so many good things. I know Christmas serves me well because it allows me to think back on childhood and think back on how I was raised and think back on uh, Christmas traditions that I, that I grew up with. And uh, Christmas is in the winter, and so it's cold, and we've all been battling sicknesses, and I can remember as a child it being cold, and we had a wood-burning stove in our living room. Some of y'all know what a wood-burning stove is. It wasn't your traditional fireplace. It was a wood-burning stove, and man, it could make the living room so hot when dad would have that thing fired up, and I remember that. But I also remember that we'd have to go out and pick up some wood to bring in, and that would be cold too. And I remember being old enough where dad wouldn't go out into the cold weather to get the, to get the firewood. He'd ask me to. And stepping outside during freezing cold weather to get that when you're just in shorts or pajamas or something would be freezing. And you remember things like that. 
But I also remember how we would get that firewood. And I, I don't remember this all together, but I, I remember every once in a while, maybe right before winter would come, my dad would have somebody drop off a, a truckload of logs, just full-size logs. And then on a Saturday or something when he wasn't working, we would, we would go to work on that. And some of my favorite memories in life are my dad teaching me to chop wood, use an axe, use a maul, use a wedge. And when you're a young boy that can't do that well, you remember how often it gets stuck in there. If you've ever chopped wood before, it gets stuck in there all the time. And you're like, hey, I need help with this. And I've got memories of my dad, like, teaching me all of those things. And we would do that, and we would chop wood, and we would work so that we could, you know, get the fire going to warm the house. But when you start thinking about firewood and trees cut down, it leads you to this idea of the stumps that have been left after the trees that are cut down. You know, cutting down a tree is a good, it can be a good thing. Not supposed to cut down trees anymore, I understand, but we need firewood. But when you cut down a tree, a stump is left. And for as neat as the need for wood and firewood and all that is, a remaining stump becomes a symbol of what was. A stump is looking back. A stump is, well, there used to be a great tree here, and this thing used to be big, it used to be strong, we used to climb it, it used to have branches and limbs and leaves, and it used to be pretty and provide shade, and the leaves would change colors, and they would fall, and all the things that trees are, and they're wonderful and beautiful and all that, a stump is, it used to be that way. And a stump becomes a symbol of, it's gone, not here anymore. There's no more wood or firewood or anything that trees produce coming out of this stump. And the word stump is the exact description that God gives for where his people were going and what they had become. The word stump is a description of man-made religion. Spiritual life without the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. Read with me, if you will, from Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to just look at this first verse. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This is Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. We're going to read that verse again. This is our verse for today. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Today's theme is promise made, and you need to know that God is a promise-making God. We talk a lot about God being a promise-keeping God, and He is, but that's, that's week four. We'll get to that in a few weeks. This morning, it's that God makes promises. The Bible is filled with them. 
You heard Josh Womble just pray that God has promised that one day he's coming back. It's the hope of all believers that one day Jesus will come back and rescue us and take us to heaven. The Bible's filled with the promises of God and he makes promises and we need to know that about him. And this morning, the promise is that a shoot is coming. That's the promise this morning. There shall come forth a shoot. That's our promise and I've got to explain that to you. But you know how important a promise is. It's giving your word. It's making a statement. And it is then going through with it, following up, being committed, and keeping that promise. But a promise is intended to speak answer, to speak life, to speak solution into a situation. Sometimes we kind of minimize or downplay promises into something that really has no bearing on it, and so there's no way for us to see it as a letdown or a disappointment. When the Bible speaks of God giving promises, it comes exactly out of the need for a promise, and that's why we studied that last week. It is one thing to make a promise, but it is a much more critical thing to make a promise into a situation where a promise is needed. In the very situation of life in this world and humanity and you and I's position is that we certainly need a promise. We need God to make promises, and God does make promises. It's here in Isaiah that we see this really clearly. And the first word that we see here that recognizes promise needed is that word stump. This morning, we're going to follow those two simple points, promise needed and promise made. For you kids that are using the listening pages to follow along, point number one this morning is promise needed. According to Isaiah 11.1, the promise comes out of the stump of Jesse from the stump. That's what it says there. Stump is not meant to be an encouraging thing. As I described with the chopping of wood and the cutting down of trees, stump is a bad thing. So much so now that what normally happens for people after a tree's cut down, say, in your yard or on some property, eventually you'll have somebody even come and grind that stump up so to get rid of it altogether. Stump grinder is a machine. It's a job that people do. Let's get rid of that all together because a stump just gets in the way. You can't mow over it. It's not smooth anymore. You can't play football through that piece of land because there's a big stump there. And this is the language. This is the idea that God is describing of Jesse. But isn't Jesse awesome? In Revelation 5, as we've been studying in Revelation when the question is asked, who's worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And you get the lion, and you get the lamb, and you get the one who's worthy to approach the throne and take the seal. It's Jesse that's mentioned there. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of Jesse. Jesse has a great reputation. He's the one with all those sons. He's the one that God goes to and is going to find the king out of. A lot of times, Jesse is seen in a good light. It was his son, David. It was his son, David, that became that great king of Israel. But here, 
He's the stump, the stump of Jesse. In spiritual life, you have to be honest about what's good and what's, what's bad and what's right and what's wrong and what's working and what's not working. You know, spiritual life is not supposed to be this kind of, this kind of blind and, and dishonest and kind of, you know, head in the weeds, optimistic thinking that everything's going to work out. That's not real spiritual life. Spiritual life is to be anchored in truth and a God that gives truth and wants to establish our lives in his truth and in his promises. The word stump here reminds us that so often religious people have not got it figured out. The word stump here reminds us that so often what was supposed to be one way is now not one way. The word stump here reminds us that the people of God are often wrong and shameful. Jesse is a stump, it says. Why had they become a stump? Well, to keep using the symbolism, they had been cut They had been cut down by God, opposed by God. If they were trees and now he's a stump, if they were a forest with branches and livelihood and all of that, now they had become a stump. They'd been a cut down and opposed by God. Their sin, their uh, refusal to follow God, believe God, trust God, had been met by God's judgment and opposition. God now opposed them and describes their advancement, their future, their family tree, their all of that as a stump. What a horrible picture. If you go back just a few verses, we're looking at 11.1, but if you back up just two verses, so 10, 33, and 34, you get the same language. Look at it. Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the bows with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will, look at this, cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. Same language there. That's tree work language. Big, tall, strong trees cut down using an axe. The forest has been laid down, and the result is now a stump. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about his people. There's absolutely a promise needed in this world. And you know who needs the promise from God? All people. Jews and Gentiles. Religious, non-religious. Those who say they're Christian and those that don't. Those that go to church and those that don't. Those that know it all and those that don't. Those who know the Bible front to back and those that don't. We hear every type of qualifier in the world of things that we think have caused us to be impressive in God's sight. And nothing does. We need the promises of God. We need the salvation of God. We need a Savior from God. And the description that comes for the very people of God is a stump. Think about it. This Abraham family from Genesis where God's making these promises and he's sending them out and he's going to turn them into a great nation. The family of Abraham is now a stump. Think about the people of Israel Moses and the Exodus and brought them out and the ten plagues and the deliverance and all of that. 
now a stump. Think about the Davidic kingdom. Man, that was, that was an ugly scene with Saul. They, they wanted a king. They went back and forth. God gives them a king, and Saul's leading well, and Saul gets prideful, and he falls away, and that's horrible. They need another king, and they, they get David, and they've got these kings, and next thing you know, David's a good king, and then there's other kings, and before you know it, the, the nation's divided. Now they've each got a king. Now none of them are good kings, and before you know it, we don't even have kings, and we don't even have a kingdom. The kingdom of God, the people of Israel, the family of Abraham, a stump. What is going on? Well, a promise is needed. What was supposed to be wasn't. What they thought was the solution was not. Any emphasis upon people to save themselves does not deliver. And in so many ways, the long, long story of Genesis to Malachi, and in so many ways, the long, long story of history is a case test and a case study of showing that people, no matter who they are or where they're from or how religious they are, no matter how much they try, cannot save themselves. They need the promises of God from the stump, from the stump. But it is from that needed promise, it is from the very stump that God gives it. It's in the same verse of 11.1. It's in the same half of a verse, the beginning part of 11.1, that we get this promise from God. Look back at verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump. Now think about God being the promise-making God that he is and the way that he delivers his promises and the way that God has always wanted to make it where he gets the glory. God loves to do it this way. If you read the, the Bible, it's scene after scene of what you would not expect. Nobody could have ever, ever dreamed of the way God planned the world to go that Adam and Eve, his beautiful, awesome people with no sin, to reject him by a talking snake as being the plan of God in order to bring his son into the world to be the savior of the world. And from there, it's just surprise after surprise, unexpected deliverance after unexpected deliverance throughout the history of the world. Flood the whole world and destroy it all, but have a boat as big as that boat was with one man that finds favor in the eyes of God. Choose a man, Abram, who has no idea what's going on, doesn't even know the one true and living God. He had no religion in his life. He was a regular old man. And God comes to him and says, come outside and look at the stars, and he believes. It's unexpected deliverance out of unexpected deliverance throughout the history of the world. And I hope you're beginning to see that's a little bit of my story as well. I hope you feel that. That what God's done in our hearts cannot be explained other than God's done that in our hearts. God made a promise, and you believed it, and you're still believing it. And that's the only answer you can give. 
May we be done with the days of trying to justify the stump for why we are so good that we were raised that way or, you know, daddy was a deacon or my parents always taught me better than that, you know, or things like that or I've always read the Bible. May that more connect us with stump talk and may that push us more toward promise talk. There shall come forth a shoot. Well, you can picture this, right? Everybody's seen before a, a, a tree or a, or a plant or a shrub that's been pruned back, right? And it's been cut. And you wait, through the, you wait through the winter and you look for spring. And seemingly out of nowhere, here comes a new bit of life, doesn't it? Everybody remembers when the kids in elementary school have just been given a little styrofoam cup and they put about that much soil in it and they put a little bit of grass seed down in there and they take it home and the teacher tells them, hey, just give it a little bit of water and set that thing right there on the windowsill and just give it a few days and watch what happens. And you look at it and you look at it and you look at it. And the excitement of finally seeing some growth comes is like, wow. Well, with, with gardening and harvesting, we, we really, really know how that works. But far less likely is when a giant tree is cut down to a stump and looking for that life to come back out of it. It can, and it does. It can, and it does. This is the very idea that God uses here to describe what he's going to do. Think about it. The Davidic kingdom is all but gone. But there were previous promises that had been made. One of the great promises of God that we're not studying this morning is that God would always have a king on the throne forever. That's one of God's promises. God has a king that will reign forever. Think about that. And yet, throughout the history of God's plan and throughout the people of God, there became a very real long period of time, hundreds of years, where there wasn't. That's what's going on here in Isaiah. Isaiah's promise, the promise of God coming through Isaiah, speaks directly into that. The very shoot that's coming from Jesse brings to mind, wait wait a second. The, the thing with Jesse's children and family tree line, it's already failed. It didn't last very long. We went from David to Solomon to Solomon's sons to this is ugly. This is terrible. These kings aren't good. And it's out of that that the promise is made. It's out of that that the life came. It's out of that that the answers come. There shall come forth a shoot. Now, how is this answered? Well, it's answered whenever that king comes. And that's why this is so much a Christmas passage. That's why this is so much a Christmas thing. Because that king forever, that promised one, is Jesus. There are lots of themes during Christmas, aren't there? Lots. I hope your family's capturing those. I hope you're thinking of those. I hope you think of giving being a Christmas theme. I hope you think of love and peace and joy and hope as Christmas themes, and we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But there are a lot of themes to be captured. Perhaps the biggest of all is the kingdom and the kingship. The baby 
born is the king of kings. He grew up. He grew up. One of the heaviest realities about cute little babies and kids is that they grow up, right? And Jesus grew up. And he grew up to become the king. You know the story, right? There becomes great discussion through Jesus' adult life and his earthly ministry of whether he is the king. It becomes the climactic conversation at the end of Jesus' life. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus would say, you said that I am. What do you say? And it ended up costing him his life that he would dare admit or say that he's the king of the Jews, putting himself on the level of God. As they took him and beat him and nailed him to the cross to crucify him and to end his life, they even put a sign over the top of him to mock him that he is king of the Jews. Yet he is the king of the Jews and the king of the world and the king of kings. This is all what's in play here when you get the stump of Jesse and there shall come forth a shoot. In the Christmas story and the birth narratives, as they're like to call, that we get from Matthew and Luke, remember they came, the wise men came from afar. You remember that part of the story? The wise men came from afar saying they were here to worship he that's been born king. Remember that language? In the Bible, it tells us that. They came to worship the newborn king. Not just the newborn baby, the king. And so all of that, okay, I want to get you all to consider this. All of that is bringing into mind, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. When you hear Jesse, you're supposed to think, oh, that's David's dad. And when you hear Jesse, you're supposed to thank David's dad because David was that awesome king that came. And we got the promise that David's son would be on the throne forever. But then you know the story. If you read the Old Testament or you study the history of the world, you think, but it didn't happen that way. The kings just got bad. They weren't good. They didn't love God. They didn't live right. They didn't do good things. They didn't lead well. They were sinful and lost just like everybody else I've ever known. We need a promise. And God makes one here. There shall come forth a shoot. Hey, life is going to come out of that stump, God says. And that's the beauty of this promise here. While stumps are supposed to speak a whole message of lifelessness and looking back and good old days and things used to be better then and when are we going back, stumps are all about that message. Here the Bible says life, a shoot, growth will come out of that stump. It thrusts our minds into understanding this is about God doing what only God can do. And Christmas time is a reminder for us that our very souls, our lives, our faith, our Christianity, our religion, our livelihood is about God doing only what God can do. Folks, can you go ahead and be set free? It's early in December. The way it fell this year, it's awesome. We're in week two of Advent. It's only December the 4th. That's pretty freeing. We thank God for that. 
Sometimes it happens and we're like way behind and we're like, man, Christmas is next week and we're, we're behind on everything, but not this year. This year it's December the 4th and we're already like over a week into this. We've been thinking about all of this good stuff and the meaning of the Bible and the promises and Advent. We've been thinking about that for a long time. And here's what's cool about it. Stumps are supposed to mean no hope, death. Things aren't going anywhere. This isn't good. But our promise here today, the promise that God makes says a shoot is coming. There are so many ways in our lives where we're supposed to see discouragement and things not being the way we want them to be disappointment here and disappointment there. I wish it would be that way. And Why has it got to be this way and, and heartache? And that happens on a day-to-day level. That happens with friendships. That happens with jobs. That happens with all of our struggles in this life. We know that. The biggest place that happens is when you try to, when you try to produce goodness in your own heart. When you try to produce spiritual life out of your own self, You should be reminded of the stump and the promise of God that says, there shall come forth a shoot. Stumps do not mean that there is no hope. A shoot is coming. Darkness does not mean that there is no hope. Light is coming. Hate does not mean that there is no hope. Love is coming. Sin does not mean that there is no hope. Forgiveness is coming. And the stump of Jesse is to remind us of all of this. For years and for years and for years, and for hundreds of years, there was no hope, no light, no growth, no life. There was none of that. And so remembering what the prophet said in the days of the New Testament, the days of Mary and Joseph, Remembering that would have seemed so old, so kind of lost and ancient, so much like, well, we know that Isaiah said that, but look around. There's a lot of stump in our religion, but there's not a lot of life in our religion. And that's somewhat a parable for our day, isn't it? There's a lot of people in this world who have familiarity with the things of God and church and Christmas tradition. This year, you will spend time with people this month who know everything that we've talked about this morning. They know everything that we sang this morning. You'll spend time with people this Christmas that knew every single one of those songs Songs that moved our hearts and would cause us to raise our hands or clap our hands or or maybe even tear up as we sing those songs. You'll spend time with people this holiday season that know every single bit of it but don't believe an ounce of it. And it'll be as stump-like as stump-like can be. It'll have a recollection of it. It'll know that and be familiar with it but it won't believe for a second that life came out of that stump. And after all of those years, after all of those years of the Jewish religion and the 
family of Abraham and the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob family line and the people of Israel history and the Davidic kingdom history. And after all of that, when it just seemed to be old years of tradition, a little young Mary was met shockingly, strikingly, surprisingly by an angel that said, you're going to have a baby. And do you know what the Bible said Mary did? She believed. You know what she believed? The promises of God. Because God keeps his promises. You and I here today are not just some weirdos trying to find meaning through Isaiah 11. We don't hear words like stump and shoot and think, man, I just wasted an hour of my life trying to listen to some guy tell me that that actually means something in 2022. If that's the way you think about it, then maybe it doesn't. But if it's God that made that promise and keeps that promise, then this is the very thing we needed. The promise of God made to us that life came out of that stump. And the life is Jesus Christ. In closing, turn with me to Romans 15. Matt read this earlier, and I want to show it to you. Romans 15. Romans is such a great book for us in the Bible. It's been described as being the greatest theological work ever written. It's long. It's longer than most of these New Testament letters. And what it is, is it's a long, kind of drawn-out, thorough, detailed explanation of so many of the big points of understanding in salvation. Romans is really, really good. It's only 16 chapters, though, and it gets a little more practical after chapter 11. 12 through 16 is a lot different than 1 through 11. But when you get to Romans 15 here at verse 8, we see New Testament hope and faith and believing based off of Old Testament promise. And that's what this morning is for us. That's what the Christmas season should be for us. Look at verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm. Look at that. That's, that's our very theme this whole month. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Does everybody see that? The promises given to the patriarch, patriarchs are confirmed in Christ. That's the very message of your church to you this whole December. That the whole Old Testament and all the things that God said a long time ago are absolutely real to us today because of Jesus. The promises given. 
Look at verse 9. In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written. Okay, now watch what he does here, okay? He's about to give you four different passages from the Old Testament. Four different passages from the Old Testament that speak about this. That the promises given in the Old Testament create salvation and life and hope and answer to this life from the old promises of God. That's what he's doing here. And he gives you four of them. The first one, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. The next one, again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. The next one, verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And look at this next one. It's from Isaiah. A beautiful, beautiful thing. From the very passage that we studied. It's not verse 1 that we looked at today, 11.1. But all throughout chapter 11, you've got these mentions of the, 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 the shoot coming from the stump. Look what we have here in verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him will the Gentiles hope. In the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writing to those early first century Christians, he ties in over and over again to these Old Testament promises made by God. Verse 8 says the promises given, and here in verse 12 he even mentions the root of Jesse. Here it's described as a root, like I'm saying. So often he's seen in a good thing, but in chapter 11, verse 1, it's the stump of Jesse because the salvation of the people by themselves was going nowhere. They needed the new covenant. But then look at our very next verse, verse 13. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now that's a Christmas verse. Nobody ever thinks that Romans 15:13 is a Christmas verse. Look how much Christmas is in it. God, hope, fill you. All joy, all peace, believing by power, Holy Spirit, abounding hope, right? You've got Christmas cards at home. Y'all got sweaters that say those words on them, right? This is a Christmas verse. Well, it's not just a Christmas verse because of all the hope that it has. It's a Christmas verse because all of that joy, hope, peace, and love and fulfillment came out of Jesse. Came out of the stump of Jesse, that is here called the root of Jesse, that you and I know as our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, this Christmas, this December, go all in on the promises of God for you in Christ. If you're looking for joy, peace, hope, power, if you're looking for those things, if you're looking to be filled, fulfillment, if you're looking for the things that life is not giving you, would you consider today 
that the stump doesn't give it. That the family trees don't give it. That the traditions don't give it. But the one that those things point to, Jesus does. Life comes out of that stump. Would you trust fully in him? Would you ask him to forgive you of all your sins? Would you today believe that the whole Christmas message is life-giving out of a stump because of Jesus? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the promises that you make to us that we have learned that we so desperately need. Father, we thank you for promises needed and for promises given. God, thank you for the way you describe it as a tree cut down and a stump that remains and the life that would come out of it. God, thank you that Jesse does have a son that is the king forever. They just never saw him. All they saw was disappointment. But he came, and it's Christ. It's our Savior. Father, we thank you that he grew up and he died on the cross for us and that the life that we know is through him. Father, help us this holiday season to focus in on that hope in life. We thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.